Hi folks, welcome to another episode of Movies and a Meal, a podcast where we talk about movies and other things while we eat. Keith here, and as always I'm joined by Ben. Hello. And Brad. What's up? Today we have three movies on the slate, so let's dive right in. First up is Upgraded, the new Amazon Prime rom-com starring Camila Mendez and Archie Renault. Second is The Sweet East, a new road movie comedy starring Talia Ryder. And finally is the second road movie, Drive Away Dolls, starring Margaret Qualley and Geraldine Viswanathan. So to start us off, Brad, what is Upgraded all about? All right, summary is always courtesy of IMDb. When Anna is upgraded to first class on a work trip, she meets handsome Will, who mistakes Anna for her boss, Claire. A white lie that sets off a glamorous chain of events, romance, and opportunity until her fib threatens the surface. <laughs> you know, I was just looking for a fun movie to watch on Valentine's Day, and this one popped up on Amazon Prime. You know, perfect timing for rom-com fans. And though this is far from a classic of the genre, it does have some charms, mostly due to lead Camila Mendez. What is Upgraded all about? Well, Mendez plays a low-level employee in an auction house who dreams of one day owning her own art gallery. Through a mix-up that is far too contrived, she ends up in first class on a flight to London to assist her boss and ends up lying to her charming seatmate and saying that she is the director of the company. It helps that her other half in this very standard rom-com is played by Archie Renault, who brings the natural charm needed for this kind of fluff. I did also appreciate that for perhaps the first time, the 29-year-old Mendez gets to play an actual adult. And here's hoping she gets some more serious roles soon. When the two of them are on screen together, the sparks do fly, and Mendez is already my favorite Riverdale alum on the rise. But it's in the larger story in the art world that it starts to fall apart all too quickly. It just doesn't make much sense and feels tacked on to the naturally fun romance of this, and just doesn't add anything at all. It does help that Marissa Tomei is in on the joke, delivering her best impression of Meryl Streep's Miranda Priestly as the actual big boss, and she's great. But Anthony Head, I believe he dropped the Stewart for some reason, and Lena Olin are just grating as supposedly colorful supporting characters. If you're looking for a much better romantic comedy that also makes much better use of its London setting, Rye Lane, my single favorite movie of 2023, still lives on on Hulu. With its awkward tonal swings from art world parody where it fails to fantasy romance where it mostly works thanks to the charm of its two leads, I will give Upgraded two stars. Rotten Tomatoes keep, uh, critics and audience? Uh, critics, I'm going to go pretty harsh. I- I'll go 60. Um, fans, I- everybody loves her. I'll go 80. Critics, 79%, oh, 42 wow. reviews. Audience, 68%, 250 plus reviews. So and, I had it uh, backwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was yeah, it a, little, a little backwards. But. And uh, critics consensus, courtesy of Rotten Tomatoes. Lightly entertaining even as it is new to genre conventions, Upgraded is an appealing option for anyone seeking a good old-fashioned rom-com. Yeah, and I'm probably being a little snobby. I just thought that half of the story was pretty stupid. So, Gotcha. So. <laughs> well, next up is The Sweet East. So, Brad, what is that all about? All right. Summary is always courtesy of IMDb. A picturesque journey through the cities and woods of the eastern seaboard of the United States undertaken by Lillian, a high school senior from South Carolina. She gets her first glimpse of the wild, wider world on a class trip to Washington, D.C. That's a pretty good summary. And, you know, um, I saw this when I was on vacation with my dad and brother in, in, in New York. When we were looking for a movie starting at the awkward hour of 8 p.m., and if you ever look for a movie starts at 8 p.m., they don't exist. This was the only one we could find. But it turns out it is a thoroughly fun movie, and it's the feature directing debut of longtime cinematographer Sean Price Williams. And much of the appeal of this flick from Williams is that it's hard to describe. At its heart, like our third movie of the day, Drive Away Dolls, this is a road movie, but also with some political aspirations that mostly work here too. And what really makes this excel is its star, Talia Ryder, best known so far for her stunning work in Never Rarely, Sometimes, Always, but she's also great in the teen flick, Do Revenge. She gives our heroine, Lillian, a South Carolina teenager who walks away from a school trail trip to Washington, D.C. to discover America, 
a combo of wide-eyed energy and burgeoning street smarts that the, the part needs, and she's a real charmer. Lillian's journey starts with a side trip to Baltimore with some young punk she latches onto, but that's only the beginning of this adventure. In one of the best stretches, she hooks up next with a white supremacist played by Simon Rex with menacing appeal. I don't want to reveal everything that Lillian gets up to here, but the best stretch of all is when she later hooks up with two filmmakers in New York City, played with fun energy by Ayo Edebiri and Jeremy O. Harris. Also in this part is hunk du jour Jacob Elordi as her co-star in the movie they're shooting. What makes this all work best of all is that Williams and debuting screenwriter Nick Pinkerton, a film critic, managed to imbue Lillian's journey with a wry commentary on the current state of America without ever getting heavy-handed, even in a shootout that, given my tendency to laugh at horrific violence, had me laughing right out loud. In short, for a winningly funny road movie that goes off the beaten path and features a fantastic turn from rising star Talia Ryder, I'll give The Sweet East three and a half stars. All right, Keith, uh, Rotten Tomatoes, critics and audience. What's you know, I can't imagine there's more than like 10 critics who have seen this, um, but I will go 90%. I think it's our house movie people kind of like. I'll go 70% for the fans. I doubt there is a fans consensus, but, you know. Well, funny enough, it's 79% for the critics, 42 reviews, so it's the exact same oh, wow, as okay. upgraded. So. Okay. And uh, audience, 61%, and Rotten Tomatoes has less than 50, so I had to go the extra mile, 9 so 61% nine. on nine me. reviews. I mean, I think so. it's only playing in New York and L.A., so... Yeah. yeah, and critics' consensus, courtesy of Rotten Tomatoes, a consistently amusing satire of modern American life, mm -hmm. the Sweeties is so engaging from moment to moment that it's easy to forgive its somewhat hazy thesis. Yeah, I agree. It's a really fun movie, and the political commentary is subtle enough and very funny. We have one more movie, and Ben's going to join me for this one. It is Driveway Dolls from one of the Coens. And Brad, what is this one all about? All right, summary as always, courtesy of IMDb. Jamie regrets her breakup with her girlfriend, while Marion needs to relax. In search of a fresh start, they embark on an unexpected road trip to Tallahassee. Things quickly go awry when they cross paths with a group of inept criminals. <laughs> all right, well, Ben, lead us off. What do you think? My formative movie experience, I think, was in the 90s, and... When I watch this movie, I get kind of glimpses of these 90s crime capers. I mean, obviously the Coen Brothers stuff, like Fargo. There's a little bit of, like, Pulp Fiction. Even mm -hmm. something like Swingers, about, like, friends trying to figure each other out and hold each other up and support each other. But I gotta say, I just felt like this was kind of an undercooked Coen Brothers movie. Because it is just the one Coen brother. Mm -hmm. I thought that uh, the characterizations from the from the main characters like Margaret Qualley and forgive me, I'll, Geraldine Viswanathan, Viswanathan, and really all the other protagonists and <laughs> antagonists like Coleman Domingo and Joey Slotnick and C.J. Wilson, I believe, is the other like C.J. something, yeah. Beatty Feldstein, I got about eighty percent of the characterization that I needed, and. <laughs> I missed a runtime, and I really appreciate a good short movie, and this movie is only 84 minutes, but I still felt like we probably could have had another 10 to give just a little bit more characterization mm -hmm. to all of them. Um, I didn't hate this movie. I thought it was enjoyable for the short time that it was, but this is definitely, I feel like, a lesser Coen Brothers movie. However, you know, because it, it is very like LGBTQ plus heavy, I can see while I don't think this is going to make a lot of money in the box office, I can see where this could be a cult uh, classic um, down the road, like when it hits streaming or whatever. But um, you like this movie more than I did, so I did. Tell I, me about it. I liked it quite a bit, and I will say you're not wrong, but I will tell. I'll disagree with you a little bit. You know, all I was really looking for this was a pretty twisted romp, 
And for that, you're right. It fits squarely in the um, Cohen's wheelhouse, even though there's only one Cohen. I would say it's even more like Raising Arizona. It's just, it's not quite that edgy, but it has a real, like, weird spirit to it. And at least the two of them, I thought their characters were well fleshed out. I liked the, their arc. I liked the fact that it goes subtly into a, um, you know, a sweet kind of romance about halfway through. And it helps that I just love those two, especially uh, Geraldine Mizwanathan. You know, she was in Bad Education and one of my favorite rom-coms, uh, Broken Hearts Gallery. She should be a star very soon. I just like the chemistry of the two of them. I will say, you're right about the antagonists. I thought they were kind of like the two guys from Fargo. I think that was um, Steve Buscemi and Peter Stormare, but they were they were much better written. Maybe it was the missing Cohen. I don't know. But the villains didn't do anything for me. I, I did like the protagonists quite a bit. I, I disagree with you. I just thought that... Their, how their relationship developed, and I'm talking about uh, Margaret Qualley and Geraldine. I'm sorry. This one I thought. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't, the, the way it turns in the end, I just don't think it was earned. I didn't, I like, there's a good setup between uh, uh, someone who's a free spirit and someone who's very um, buttoned down, and, you know, they're trying to open each other up a little bit. But I don't really, I didn't really get that. And then as their, as their friendship and their relationship progressed, it didn't feel earned to me. That's that's the only thing. Uh, it just it, it felt like it felt like it skipped a couple steps. Which again, maybe like a maybe he's mm -hmm. missing a scene or two. Like eighty four minutes is a very short movie. I really appreciated that. Uh, it was even it's eighty minutes. I mean, there was a lot yeah, of with credits, the credits. You know, yeah, you're not you're not wrong. I just liked the journey they went on. And like I said, mostly because I liked the two of them. And um, Beanie Feldstein is great. She's just pure rage, and she's very funny. She, she should have been do, in there more. But she does get the final scene where, you know, to, yeah. to, to explore spoil well, the funniest scene. Um, you know, if you have a dark sense of humor. There's a lot of humor in this, a lot of funny scenes. But um, she was fantastic. I thought Coleman Domingo was good. I really had a problem with the two other hoods. They were really one note. I, you know, Joey, one of them is Joey Slotnick, uh, mm -hmm. a comedian that I've enjoyed for a long Which time. Which one is he? Um, is he Joey he... Slotnick was the more verbose guy. Okay, the ball with the ball head. Yes, okay. um, you know he he's a. I've seen him a lot on TV. Um, the first TV show, he was kind of like Jonathan Silverman's uh, like neighbor, best friend in that NBC TV series, The Single Guy, which was part of like okay. the like the Thursday NBC block. Migna Wen was in there. Um, hmm. and some other people but you know that was like that was like the other movie between that was like the other TV show between like Friends and Seinfeld you know oh, that was kind of like yeah. the 830 tweener thing but you know <laughs> that's a good time slot the, but the, I've never the, heard of it the, mm -hmm. you know the Coen brothers the Coen brother um, like what they do what they do have um, they draw a lot of star power for sure mm -hmm. um, there's one or two other people that I won't mention um that you know they are in there because they have an existing relationship with and the, um, and, the, and the one big cameo yeah. which we won't spoil is pure Cohen's. He's probably been he's been it's at been least one couple, Cohen movie, but yeah. you know I mean he's a natural Cohen fit. But this is know? definitely more broader. Um, mm -hmm. You know this isn't this is definitely not No Country for Old Men or even Fargo. This is more like no. it's Burn like, After it's like Reading. One of their early movies, yeah, or Run After Reading. Yeah, yeah. it's definitely a zaner, but I appreciated yes. the zaniness of it. I like those kind of Cohen's movies. I, you know. I did too. I just thought they could have used another ten minutes to flesh <laughs> out some characters. I well, just it wasn't enough. It it just. It felt like a facsimile. Like, I only got 80% of a movie. 80% still pretty good. No. That's um, all right. That's um, not the worst movie I've seen this year. I'll say that. <laughs> well, um, Madam and, Webb. And uh, shout out to, I believe it's his wife, Trisha Cook, yes. co wrote this. So it is still two, co two members of the Cohen family, anyway. Um, but, you know, I was thinking about it, and the brothers need to get back together just because they're brothers. But, you know, two, uh, some, two other comedy teams need to get back together. Key and Peel, of course. 
But the ones that really need to reunite are uh, Adam McKay and Will Ferrell because they're both so they're so much better together. You know. Yeah, but that one oh. might be your. I know. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, okay. that's his little side side right. journey there. So um, should we go to reviews? I think so. Okay, you can go first. I'll give it two and a half. I mean, like I said, I didn't, I didn't find it to be a bad movie. I just felt like I it just left me wanting, I guess. Um, so two and a half, and like I said, um, I think it's gonna get more momentum mm-hmm. in the streaming circuit. Uh, oh for yeah. Sure. Because it's got that, not only your built-in LGBT audience, but it's also got this B-movie quality that kind of is built, made for that. I'll go three, you know, just because I like the stars so much, and uh, it's a great road movie. It's just exactly my kind of movie. I like the 90s appeal of it. I like everything it, about it. It's very, yeah. you know, and some of it, it's, it's, a, it's kind of a raunchy movie. I was thinking, yeah, like, raunchy. <laughs> if, you took, if you took Michael Sarah and Jonah Hill's characters from Superbad... <laughs> mm-hmm. This could be a sequel. I mean, yeah. it could be the same, you know, or um, or um, Harold and Kumar. Mm-hmm. You know, I it's mean, not, it must not, be not as clever, but yeah, it is as yeah, watching. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, it's just like I, what I the reputa- representation mm-hmm. part. You yeah. know, with um, you know, mm-hmm. both characters are lesbians and. Yeah, and, um, and, you know, the, and like the first ten minutes is yeah. well, two or three minutes is pure lesbian sex. Yeah. So be ready, not a lot of skin. I mean, but, but the, no. I mean, I, I think no. that's the equality of it. Just like mm-hmm. you know, the, like. It's not just hetero people can be horny. Mm-hmm. Like, everybody exactly. like, has desires and needs. But, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so, two and a half for me, and a three for Keith, mm-hmm. and it's Rotten Tomatoes time. So, Brad? All right, critics and audience. Uh, ben? I, I think the critics are more on my side of just this being um, not as high. Um, so, I'll go and go, like, 54% for the critics and audience. I'll go, like, 63 Okay. Keith? I think people like it a little more. I'll just go 70 across the board. Because I have no idea what the audience fans are going to be. Critics, 65%, 143 reviews. Audience, 33%, 50 <laughs> plus reviews. Okay. There's, there, there's some, I don't want to say there's some anti-gay something there, but there's there's some hate there. No, you know? I just think that people, I know, I like, it's not you, that you, weird just, a movie. you just have a lot more time for these kind of movies I than do. I do. Uh, but 33%? Oh. I mean, but the other thing is, how many reviews is that, Brad? Because like 50, I 50 plus, they said. That's a lot. So. No, but from the audience though. Uh, yeah, 50 plus. Mm-hmm. That's the not audience. a lot for the audience. So that's probably skewing the numbers too. There's probably other mm-hmm. people who who like this more than you. That I'm probably still bring it up. Yeah. Okay, okay. So that's uh, this is the only movie mm-hmm. that has an actual box office. So you want to mm-hmm. do that part, Brad? I can. Well, you want me oh, to you want to do the critics consensus? Yeah, the critics consensus, courtesy of Rotten Tomatoes. The appealing odd couple chemistry between Margaret Qualley and Geraldine Viswanathan helps drive away dolls power past its overly familiar screenplay and erratic execution. So, there you go. That's I think it's pretty accurate. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so drive away dolls. Um, unfortunately, did not make the top five. It finished in eighth with <laughs> that's uh, still pretty good. Two point five million dollars. <laughs> so, it could have been made for two point five million. It could have been made for a lot of money. No. So, <laughs> yeah. So two point five million dollars drive away dolls. Top five this weekend. The reigning defending uh, repeats. Bob Marley, One Love, $13.5 million. That's doing well. Two-week total of $71.1 million. That's a lot of money. Yeah. Uh, people like that reggae on page. Right? Yeah, so... Uh, Actually, actually, you're right. Now, I was wrong. You were right. It's Kingsley Bendare. Oh, shoot. I, I, I'm rarely right when Ben is wrong, so yeah. I need to savor this. Yeah. You know, they do look a lot alike. Well, <laughs> no, I think, too, just like reggae Jean Page yeah. is too <laughs> obvious to be the guy as a reggae superstar. Yeah. Okay. So, it was, it's Kingsley well, Bendare. Well, that's a good clarification. So, okay, uh, so that's number one. Number two, and I've, I've warned the, these gentlemen. Ben was already, my brother's already laughing about this. Um, warned these gentlemen that in a million years and two lifetimes, they could never figure out what number two was. 
Number two, Demon Slayer, Kimetsu no Yaiba. Oh, so that's an to, anime. To the Hiroshima train. Oh, wow, okay. Oh, right, we saw a commercial for that. Yeah. You were like, this isn't my thing, right? Yes, this, it made uh, $11.5 million. That's good, wow. One week total, so. There's not a lot going on, yeah, so. No. so. Number three, Ordinary Angels. This is the... That's uh, the Alan Rich and mm-hmm. Hillary Swank movie. Yep. Okay. Uh, $6.2 million. I believe this is the first week of that. Hold okay. on. We haven't even said Madam Web yet. <laughs> Madam Web finished in fourth. Wow. With $6 million. That is pathetic. Two week total, two, two, I'm surprised it made $6 million. Two week total of $35 million. That is it horrible. made $6 million its opening day. And now That's it's awful. only made $6 million. I mean, it's going to be one of the biggest bombs of the year. Well, as, I heard, as you all said, on the podcast though the international audiences spend a lot of money so uh, we'll see uh, it'll be alright but like whatever and they like pretty women so yeah, yeah. and uh, number five was migration uh, three million dollars oh, wow. this Excellent. week ten week total of 120 million dollars so. well, I love it there's not a lot of kids movies going mm-hmm. on so, right now so, so the duck movie knocked off the candy movie from uh, from Wonka so okay. Okay. Wonka made a lot of money well, Wonka's <laughs> been out for like three months is Wonka, is Wonka still in the top ten I did not that's see okay, that that's okay that's okay, that's okay. That's okay. So, are we doing spoilers or are we? Nah, don't no. worry about it. Right. The movie's too short. Just yeah, watch the movie. <laughs> I'll tell you. I'll tell you who the big cameo was off the air. It's not that exciting. Yeah, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. And then technically, I think you know already. Because, uh, but, all right. So I think we should just wrap this episode up then. So Keith, you got some plugs. All right. You can find us at movie and movies and a meal og at gmail Movies and a meal on X slash Twitter. And do give us a listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcasts. Okay. So for this episode of Movies and a Meal. I'm Ben and Keith. Brad, peace!